So if this, if if you haven't, if you haven't been to ordinary, it's like this is your first time here, or you haven't been much, or you've never given us your information. I want to do something for you. We need your information so we can sell it and make. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. That's not true at all. But what I'd like to ask you to do is get your phone out and to open a text message and to text the word. Well, I want you to the number I want you to put in the top is eight four three two one eight four three two one, and then just text the word welcome. Okay, and then during my introduction, you can answer a couple questions that are coming back to you. What that would enable us to do is it would enable our, our welcome team to be able to connect with you. It, it would enable our pastoral team to be able to pray for you. And uh, so if you would do that, just take a second, open your phone, 84321, text the word welcome, and then it'll ask for your name. It'll already have your phone number. might ask for your email. Okay, nothing big. I promise you, you won't get any marketing or anything like that. If you, but if Ordinary Faith doesn't have your contact info, that would really help. Is that okay? Can you, is that okay with everybody? Yeah. Okay, all right. It's okay with that lady over there, Tammy. <laughs> Tammy's okay with it. So that's good. It's good. Here's our, here's our text for today. I want to have some fun with it. Am I on? Oh, yes, it is on. Got it. Sorry. I am slow. <clears throat> Ephesians 4, 18 through 20. Oh, one more announcement. Baby bottles. Where are they? Back there by Michael under the, the plant. So uh, that's, our, that's our offering we do each year for Inside Connection. So if you can help support that ministry, it's been a tough year for them financially, and they really need us to get behind them. Okay, that's all the announcements I got. Okay, good. I'm lousy at announcements. You can tell. Ephesians 5.18 says this, Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Say, be filled. Be filled. Singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves, making music to the Lord in your hearts, and give thanks. Say, give thanks. Give thanks, give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Give thanks. I tell you what. Do you think, you don't have to answer this out loud, just what I want you to do, how, here's how I'd like you to respond to this question. I'd like you to either respond with a smile or a frown. See, then everyone can t- participate, all right? Some of you bearded guys I won't be able to tell, but that's all right. I'll just assume you're doing what I want you to do. How many of you people think that Christians, people who follow Christ and people know that they follow Christ, are generally happy people, that people would call them happy people? How many of you guys think that, you know, a frown if you don't think so, a smile if you do? Okay, just, just check it. I won't tell you the results of the survey. Survey says, not going to do that. So there's this, this I, I don't want to say balance. Things in the kingdom of God are not balanced. Things in the kingdom of God are in perpetual tension, which is a different thing. And so there is a sense in which Christianity needs a, a theology, which just means a way of thinking about God. Okay, They need a way of thinking about God that is big enough to capture the difficulties of life. The fact that you lose a job, a bill comes in that you weren't expecting, the car breaks down, your marriage has trouble. Your Christianity, your thinking about God, your theology has to be strong enough that when those things happen, it doesn't disrupt your faith in God. But on the other side of that, 
Christians should enjoy being Christ followers. They should enjoy being together as the body. They should be happy. And it should not depend upon their circumstances. And when we read the Bible, we encounter Christians who, who are filled with joy, but who are enduring difficult circumstances. We have Christians around the world today who are living in, in countries where it's illegal to be a Christian. It's illegal to share your faith, where they're losing things for their faith. And yet, they still find ways to joyously serve Jesus Christ. While in our own country, it seems like when we have difficult circumstances, the first thing it shakes is our faith in God. That's not, that, there's something deeply wrong with that. So I want to think about Jesus today. I want to look at a story, one of my favorite stories about Jesus Christ. And my first point is that Jesus loved to go to parties. Did you know that? Jesus was a party animal. Okay, never mind. Don't go that far. But I want to read you a text. John 2, verse 1 and 2. The next day, there was a wedding celebration in the village of Cana in Galilee. And Jesus' mother was there. And Jesus and his disciples were also invited to the celebration. First of all, I think it's super cool that Jesus got invited to parties. I think it is. I mean, that tells you that, that people wanted Jesus around. So let me just make a quick application that's just a step outside the sermon. If people don't want you around, I don't think you're doing your faith right. Okay? So you can just apply that. That's, maybe that's Michael Maynard's opinion. But something about Jesus was such that he could be true... And yet people still enjoyed being in his company. But so Jesus went to the wedding. And I think that's pretty cool. And he had a reputation for this, guys. The Bible says in Luke 7, 34, says the Son of Man, on the other hand, feasts and drinks. And to the Pharisees, he says, and you say he's a glutton and a drunkard and a friend of tax collectors and other sinners. Jesus had a reputation for enjoying being Jesus. Enjoying following Jesus. His father. So we're in the wedding, wedding at Cana. This is the setup for Jesus' first public, for his first miracle that he, he performs for everybody around. And I want to think about it. So if you know the story, I'm not going to read the whole text, but if you know the story, Jesus, his disciples are at a wedding, everyone's having a great time, and they run out of wine. I know that might mess with your theology right there, okay? No, I think it was grape juice. You think what you want to, okay? They ran out of wine. And Jesus' mother, if you, know the back, if, you, if you know the story, she came to Jesus and said, they're out of wine. There was an interesting little exchange between them, and, uh, which we're not, that's beyond our focus for today. And, and then, to make a long story short, bam, Jesus turns water into wine. A lot of Christians today wish he would turn wine into water, but he didn't. He turned water into wine, okay? Again, messes with what you think about God. Now, the Bible says this in John 2.10. The host always serves the best wine first. It's the, the, the leader of the feast who says this. He said, and then when everyone has had a lot to drink, he brings out the less expensive wine. But you've kept the best until now. This miraculous sign at Canaan, Galilee, was the first time Jesus revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. 
So I want to think through this text a little bit, okay? And I am too far away from you guys. So if I can do this without falling, there's a momentum you develop when you weigh as much as I do and you come down that step. So it's a good thing that I didn't end up way out there. I want you to climb into this wedding. And I want you to see Jesus. I want you to picture Jesus right now. We're going to a wedding with Jesus, all of us right here from this park. And, and, and I want you to look at Jesus as he's in this wedding. I don't think, if you see Jesus on the wall being a wallflower at the wedding, I don't think you have a good theology of Jesus. You don't invite wallflowers on purpose to your wedding. Okay, You do if they're family, but that's a different thing. Right? No, I want you to see Jesus. I want you to see Jesus walking up to the groom and, and, and greeting him in that Middle Eastern, very, what we would consider too intimate way, the, the kiss greeting. And I want you to see him look at that young man, and I want you to realize that the Son of God knows that he came to earth to become the groom of the church. And so as he's looking at this young man, he's seeing pictured in this ceremony what this young man's doing, exactly what he is doing. And so he's, you know, what did he say to him? The Bible doesn't tell us. But we know he was there. We know it was a celebration. And we, maybe we would assume, maybe, I would go outside the word just a touch, and assume that Jesus enjoyed this young man. We We have biblical basis for that. He enjoyed people. That he encouraged this young man. So you see him there, the groom, and, and I don't know if you're if you're thinking about Jesus allows for you to see him smile. Isn't it sad how few pictures there are of Jesus smiling? He always looks like he's ready to slap somebody in most of the pictures that I see. <laughs> and yet that's not the Jesus I meet in the Gospels. I mean a Jesus who loves people, touches people, touches lepers. And care, I see compassion in Jesus. And so we go from the groom, and now we go to the bride. Now I want you to wrap your head around that for a minute. Here's the Son of God come to become the groom of the church, the church who is his bride, and now he looks at this young woman. And I would imagine that in that Middle Eastern romp style of dance, Somewhat more advanced than country line dancing, I suspect. He danced among the people and with the bride and enjoyed the celebration of the day. Well, a third thing I can see, just, just for fun, is I bet there were kids there. And something about Jesus seems to me that he really liked kids. Probably more than me. <clears throat> Probably. <laughs> But Michael, you have eight, and hence the reason. What I want you to see is that Jesus really enjoyed this wedding. I want you to see that, yes, he performs a miracle, and that was what the Father had for the day. The joy of Jesus in celebrating with people. But then I also want you to see how much fun he has. See, here's my thing. I really think following Jesus should be fun. Yeah. I think Christianity should be fun. I think, don't, don't stone me, but I think church should be fun. Yeah. Our values at Ordinary Faith, man, we, we, we think it should be fun. And here's why. Because Jesus had fun. Here's how I know. 
this wedding. Okay? So Mary comes to Jesus. Hey, they're out of wine. What's that to us, Mom? Uh, anyway, we'll get into that some other time. You telling me what to do, Mom? Anyway, she goes, yeah. <laughs> you do what you think. Anyway, she says, I'm just kidding. Then Jesus tells the servants, all right, fill up the basins of water. So they had these big water tanks, stone water jars. They were filled with water for washing your hands. He says, fill them up with water. And so mom had said, you do whatever he says. So they do it. Now, I'm, I'm, you know me, I get in these stories sometimes, and I see my attitude in the story. You know, I, and what, had, what if I had been a servant that day? <laughs> you know, and they're like, and this lady comes up and says, hey, you do what he says. And you're like, uh-huh. And then, he, but you do it, you know, because it's a wedding, and you don't cause problems. And so they fill them all up with water. And then here's what Jesus does. His disciples are all around. And I don't, I mean, I, could, I don't know where, why I see it this way. But I just see Jesus kind of with a half smile on his face. And the disciples sitting there because they're in on the joke that's about to take place. Okay? And Jesus turns to the servants who just filled up the water basins with water. And says, okay, now go serve some of that to the master of the feast. What would you have done? You're the servant. And they're out of wine job is to bring wine for the feast to check it out and, and all of a sudden this guy says hey take some of that water to the master of the feast and what i would have said was right sure but they did it now servants walking up with his container of water whatever it was and here's jesus i want you to, to pause that scene and i want you to look freeze frame Jesus on the disciples. And I want you to wonder what's going through all of their minds in this moment. Jesus has them fill up the basins up. They'd never seen a miracle yet. They hadn't seen a miracle yet. Jesus has them fill them up, the basins up with water, and has the, the servant carried up. And then there's Jesus just sitting there, and there's disciples all around him, like, what's up, dude? What's going on? And then, the master of the feast gets the container and he takes a drink and it's so good that he stands up before everybody and says, this is the best wine. Everybody, the, the, the worst for last, but not today. Today we got the best last. All the disciples, what happens now? They just look at each other. Smiles spread across their face were inside the joke very few people knew what happened but they knew they knew that jesus was having fun being jesus what can we learn from this lesson and so i want to jump paul wrote in ephesians chapter five <clears throat> Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. But instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among ourselves, making music to the Lord in your hearts, and give thanks for everything, God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Simple instructions. First, be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's a command. It's a mystery. It's not a mystery. 
If you, it's funny to me how many times in the Bible that being filled with the Holy Spirit is compared to drunkenness. It was in the book of Acts, and here Paul does it in Ephesians chapter 5. Being filled with the Holy Spirit and compares it to drinking wine and having too much of it. Why does he make that illusion or that, that connection? If you, if you drank too much and you took a drive and you got pulled over, you would get a DUI. What does that stand for? Say it out loud. What's the I stand for? Driving under the influence. Sorry. Don, don't cheat off Don anymore. Don, no. Just kidding. Driving under the influence. What is being filled with the Holy Spirit? It's living under the influence. You're allowing an influence of the Spirit of God to guide your life. Paul says, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, I believe that the second you turn your life over to Christ, that you get, you get the Holy Spirit. Now, whether or not you live under the influence, I think could be a different matter. I think surrendering to that influence is powerful. That's what a person does that is surrendered to alcohol. They surrendered to its influence, and it guides their life. And that's where the Holy Spirit, Paul says, be filled with it. It's not whether or not you have access to it. Because Paul doesn't say, get it if you can. Do you understand that? Paul, Paul says, be filled with it. it. gives you a command. He's telling you, man, surrender to this influence. Now, what happens when you surrender to that influence is you begin to live a lot more like Jesus Christ lived. You begin to, to have an influence from heaven, a, a direct influence from God, an obsession with things that are holy rather than an obsession with things that are on the earth. In fact, I think that being filled with the Spirit is a whole lot like walking on water. And I know you're thinking, well, I don't know how to do that. <clears throat> it's okay. Jesus surrendered, I mean, Peter, in that moment that he walked on water, surrendered to a vision of Jesus, surrendered to a, a command of Jesus, or an invitation of Jesus, rather, and headed toward Jesus. And if, if Christianity isn't a I'm getting to Jesus no matter what's between me and him kind of thing, I don't know what it is. And so... The Bible tells us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I want you to know that that place, that spirit is the same spirit that Jesus had while he was on earth. And it was a spirit that was filled with joy, that was filled with happiness. It was filled with love. And so we learn that the, being filled with the Holy Spirit is a wonderful and enjoyable experience and doesn't require circumstances to cooperate. So Christians, Paul says be filled with the Spirit. This is an important part of what we are. Being a Christian without the Spirit isn't actually possible. Being religious without the Spirit, that is. But being a, following Christ without the Spirit isn't actually possible. I think that's evidenced in the disciples. Before the Holy Spirit, all they could do is fail. After the Holy Spirit, they succeeded in magnificent ways. So be filled with the Holy Spirit, Paul says. Next thing, make music to the Lord. It even wants Michael Longfellow to do that. <clears throat> That's right. Singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves, making music to the Lord in your hearts. I love the old proverbial question. Does a man sing because he's happy, or is he happy because he sings? 
Now, I like music myself. Does anyone else like music in the place? Got some music lovers? That's good. Because the Bible says, man, singing to the Lord, spiritual songs and hymns, and that's fun. What's your, what, by the favorite spiritual song? It doesn't even have to be spiritual if it moves you spiritually, but somebody shout out a favorite song. What's, what's one? Amazing Grace? The Old Rugged Cross. Down by the river. Oh, King came and said King and Country, which is the band, and he likes all of their songs. Come Thou Found. It Is Well, one of my favorites. A lot of hymns in the house. Go some newer ones. Waymaker, we like that one. Victory. Holy, holy Water. Oh, I like that one too. It Is Well. Is that what I heard over here? Spiritual songs. That's good. However, singing songs to the Lord isn't just music. I love the, uh, the quote. I have to read it. it right. Oliver Wendell Holmes said, Many people die with their music still in them. Too often it's because they're always getting ready to live. Before they know it, time runs out. Your music might be music. It could also be math because you're weird. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. It could be dance. I mean, you're probably not a Baptist if it is, but, you know. It, it, could, be, it could be intellectually processing things. It could be reading. It could be, it could be hanging out. Thank God for people who have the spiritual gift of hanging out. It could be encouragement. You'd be that person that can look at someone who's having a down day and God just gives you the thing to say that's going to pick them up. It, it, it could be serving. It could be cooking. As you can see, my wife is well gifted in that area. What's my point? The point isn't the what. The point is who the music is for. That's something you have to understand. We read the Bible with our American eyes, which separates the spiritual from the secular or from the normal life all the time. That's not how the Bible's written. That's not how Jesus thought. In the Hebrew mind, Jesus included everything in life was tied together, was holistic, and was for God. You went to, you went to Sabbath, you went to your synagogue and worshipped, it was for God. You went out and milked your cows. It was for God. And so that's what music is. It's what I do for God. These are songs and hymns and spiritual songs for God. You want to transition your Christianity from religion to joy. You seek fullness of the Holy Spirit. And you start singing your song. Okay? And the last thing Paul says in Ephesians 5 is, Give thanks for everything. Say, say everything. 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 <laughs> Woo! We got here this morning, and uh, they had the power box locked. And, uh, yeah. <clears throat> Give, is that what you say? Thank you for that? It, you know, it gave Steve an opportunity to, to preach a sermon he'd been working on for the last probably 30 seconds before that, something like that. <laughs> But you give thanks for everything? Give thanks for everything. There's a saying that I, uh, 
I read a couple years ago in a book by a guy named John Gordon. And uh, one of his characters in his little parable book says, I'm too blessed to be stressed. Hey, let's say that together. Is that, is that okay? Are you brave enough to say out loud, blessed to be stressed? Sorry, my mic keeps going in and out, so I'm just going to yell louder and louder. <laughs> Count of three, I'm too blessed to be stressed. One, two, three. I'm too blessed to be stressed. Woo. Hey, will that work on a Monday morning? Will that work on a bad hair day? Will that work on a flat tire? Will that work on a child that's out of control in this moment? How many teachers in the house? Man, pray for you. Raise your hand, teachers. Pray for these people. Pray for them. Pray for the teachers. Pray for the teachers. Pray for the administration. We don't want any teachers killing them. No, I'm just kidding. That was just a joke. Do pray for the administrations. My point is, give thanks in the name of Jesus. In the name, under the authority of Jesus. We are so blessed. This morning I was worshiping before I came out here and got wrecked. I, I knew I shouldn't have done it because I listened to people sing about Jesus that get wrecked, you know. You ever feel totally unworthy to be a servant of God? Feel totally unworthy to be forgiven because you are. <laughs> and I was listening to this song by Elevation uh, Worship, and there was this line He never forsakes me. He never forsakes me. Some of you guys know me and have known me long enough to know that I have some moments that I should be forsaken in. But he never does. How can I be? I don't know how I, I do. How can I be stressed when I am never forsaken? How, how can I be sad? I mean, how can I just wallow in that sadness? When my God, how do I go through life without joy? How do I complain? How could I possibly complain when I have been forgiven? You, you know, my, my retirement plan on earth may not be great, but you should see the one on the other side of my tombstone. It's really good. It's a good deal. It's so good that there's no tears or even bad memories on the other side of it. That's how good it is. So guys, I want to challenge you and myself, by the way, this sermon is really for me, to enjoy, enjoy being a Christian. Enjoy your faith in God. Enjoy the leading of the Holy Spirit. One last story and I'll wrap up and turn it Brother Steve. Last Sunday... It was a great Sunday, wasn't it? Baptism Sunday is always a kick, isn't it? It was great. So, um, you know, you, I'm kind of task-oriented. If you didn't know, now you know, okay? And so on a Sunday like that, there are a lot of pieces to the puzzle that have to work together. And my supervisory managerial mind kicks in, and we get stuff done. Right, Michael and Steve? <laughs> no matter who we have to run over to get it done, we get it done. 
And that's the mode I get into when there are a lot of pieces. And so last Sunday I was doing what I do. And, and God sent this dude. He's here today. I hope he doesn't mind me calling him a dude. Uh, Marvin came. James, I mean Alan, James, Woody, sorry, brought him. We'd just done the baptism. Saying hi to a few folks. Woody came up to me and said hey. And Marvin popped up next to him. And we started talking. And Marvin saw someone down by the river. And he said, you know, I think, I can't remember exactly how he said it. He said, I think, I think that lady needs prayer. And so, here I am, guys. If you know me, you know I'm one, two, three, four. I'm in three, way to, ready to get to four, which at that point was the lunch. And here God sends Marvin to say, hey, uh, look, because we got 3.4 over here. So we went and we prayed. Ended up praying with a lady for some healing. And when I walked away from that, when I finally went on to four, which you know I'm going to do. God made me this way for some reason. I walked away thanking God. Going, God, for a minute I forgot why we do what we do. See, I work with a lot of amazing people, and it's so easy to get tied up in all of the things that have to be done that you forget that the reason we do these things is to connect with people in Jesus. We do this so we can have moments, so we can have the miracles, so that we can share faith, so that we can encourage hope. That's why we do this. We don't do it just so we can have church in a park because you can't have church. You can only be church. And the church isn't being the church if she isn't loving and touching people. And sometimes we look at that stuff as tasks and duties when what it really is is fun. It is a blast to destroy the works of the devil. Back to the marriage of Cana. The devil... The enemy, you're like, you're making me uncomfortable, Michael. It's okay, you'll be fine. The devil had something to do with wine running out that day. How do I know that? Because Jesus performed a miracle to supply it, and his mission was to destroy the works of the enemy. We know that because of what John says in 1 John. That's why he came. And somehow, somehow the enemy was trying to pull the fun out of a marriage celebration that God wants people to see. God wants people to know what relationship is like with God through marriage. And so here's this celebration. The enemy's trying to take the fun out of it. So the Son of God comes and puts better fun in it. Yeah! Woohoo! That's what it is to follow Jesus. When you walk up to next to someone that's hurting and they're down and you say, man, let's pray together. Let's talk to Jesus about this. And Jesus encourages that heart and you destroy the works of the devil. That is fun. When you come against a, someone's life and you give them a connection to you and to God and you help them climb out of that misery and that bondage and that loneliness, you've destroyed the works of the devil and that is fun. Fun! This is how we enjoy our faith. 
We set out doing what the Holy Spirit leads us to do, and we realize it's a blast to ruin the work of the enemy and to magnify Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Worship team. Father, thank you. I pray that you would be with any heart today that's feeling isolated or alone, that's, that's struggling with sickness or disease, that's dealing with depression or fear or anxiety. I pray, Lord, for the Christian who feels like their faith is lower than it's ever been. And I ask you, Lord, that they would not leave this place without ministry. I don't know how to touch them all. Many will not come to me. But, Lord, it's okay. Because i got like a hundred Jesus Christ representers right here, maybe 200, I don't know, but there's a bunch of Jesus representers right here who can bring the kingdom of Jesus. And I pray that you would open every heart in this place right now to be super sensitive and aware of what God's doing in everyone else's life. And as we sing this song, I pray that there would be people praying for people, people encouraging people as we sing, as we conclude, as we continue in this park with whatever happens afterwards and i ask lord that no one would leave this place without the ministry of jesus that they need i pray that man any person who needs a miracle that they get it today in jesus name before i hand it to the worship team i'm going to be right over there on your right anyone that wants to help me pray with people you can come join me but Here's the question. Here's, here's my invitation call. If God did the thing that you needed most done today, what would it be? If you come over here during this worship service or after the service, and, and we'll pray for that thing, okay?